This week, we discuss whether or not Rick can cut out some of the complexity from his business now that he knows what's working and what's not. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? All right, I got to tell you about one of my favorite days of the year, which I just had. And this is called the commercial bet. Have I told you about this before? You've never mentioned the commercial bet. (laughs) I do this with my friend Steve. What we do, there's a whole backstory that I'm not going to get into, but basically we pick a random NFL game and he bets on the Rams. The Rams are always in it. And I bet on whoever is playing against the Rams. And the loser has to buy one item from every commercial, $15 or less for the winner. So wait, wait every commercial during the like entire that airs game? during the game. Yeah. Is so it? we watch the game. We take notes on every commercial, like, okay, McDonald's, Pepsi, whatever, write down everything that was advertised. And then in one day we go and redeem the bet. So the loser has to just buy an absolute crap ton of stuff for the winner. <laughs> What's the coolest thing that he bought for you? Uh, well, I don't know if you can see this back here. Yeah, he got me an Elsa pillow. He had to buy me a Frozen-themed thing from Walmart. So uh, I have a giant, like, Frozen the Disney movie pillow that I have to figure out something to do with now. <laughs> and wait, is that... It's in the, it's in your fireplace, is what it looks uh, like. Yeah, I didn't put it there. Shelly, Shelly's mad at it. She doesn't <laughs> like it in the bedroom. But, but no, we went, we ate, like, six fast food meals in one day, and it, it's just a fantastic bet. Highly recommend for anyone who wants an excuse to just have a ridiculous day. Yeah. What was, I mean, how much does that add up to roughly? Like what's the cost of this bet? I think it's in the low. So we have a $15 uh, per item limit and there's no duplicate. So it's not like if there's five McDonald's commercials, you don't buy five different things. I think it comes out to like, I don't know, 200 bucks, but like a hundred of it's probably useful. Like a hundred of it's stuff you might actually use. And so, so the amount of waste is uh, relative to the amount of fun you have in the day, it's a it's a good way to turn money into fun, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say that. It's like the best types of arrangements, let's call them gentlemen's arrangements, are the ones <laughs> that that lead to an awesome experience and living in the moment with someone. And it sounds like that what you, what you got to do. Was it today or yesterday? Uh, we did this. I took the day off on Friday and on we Friday? did it and had a whiskey margarita from Buffalo Wild Wings that 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 was we asked them what's the dumbest drink anyone's ever ordered and that was it so i had that anyway it was fun <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing yeah <laughs> well, yeah what's it, been going on with that you? elsa pillow i mean it, it, i don't know if that's your plan or not maybe it's shelly's plan but it'll it'll make good kindling yeah this is thankfully not a functional fireplace but shelly had to shove it somewhere to get it out of her bedroom i think <laughs> today I, I was the manny um so sable had her first day back at work full time uh, I guess she's part time, but first official day back. Yeah, and so uh, the conflict with our new nanny that was known when we hired her, and so I stepped in and played. Uh, so, you know, I guess I'm not a manny; I'm I'm the dad. But it's, <laughs> when you're the dad, you, it, you don't associate that with being with a kid all day during the mm-hmm. week. So I got to be at kind of a stay at home dad to today. It was completely exhausting. Yeah, because previously you kind of did the morning shift, and then Sable did the afternoon. Yep. Well, I did the morning shift sort of till like nine and then Sable oh, okay. took over for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so 
when the nanny, the nanny's been here a couple of days in the past few weeks. And so when she, when the nanny's here, it's sort of, I, I hand off to the nanny at nine and then the nanny hands off to Sable at you know five o'clock and then Sable puts to bed. I, I wake up with the baby. Um, so when the nanny's working, it's kind of, it's perfect, but man, it's hard. It's a, and it's, you want to, you have these like goals of trying to get something done, like while he's sleeping or something. And it's just, it's, you're, it's not, it's not productive at all. Yeah, I don't know if you follow Rand Fishkin at all, he, the founder of uh, Ma, SEO Moz. I know Moz. him. I don't follow him, but what, um, what? one of the things, like sometimes when people are like, what's your secret? Um, I don't know if he still says this, but back in the day, he was just like, well, one thing is I don't have kids. <laughs> uh, not not like in a way to say no one else should have kids, but just like I have a lot more time on my hands than other people do. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's a secret. <laughs> yep. are you, um, what, what else is going on in your world? So a couple updates on things we've talked about in the past. Uh, One is I kind of put a call out to say, I would like to be better at design, but I don't know how to get better. Um, And one listener, Matt Lehrer, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, um, reached out and uh, mentioned this design course online called Shift Nudge to me. Uh, Unfortunately, it's one of these cohort-based things where, and I think I just missed it by like, four days or something. And he, he does like every, what, like twice a year. So I have to wait, you know, potentially six months to get in this course, but it looks like exactly what I want. Shift nudge for anyone else who's interested in leveling up design. Um, I can't vouch for it because I haven't done it yet, but it, you know, the curriculum looks like what I wanted. What's the cost? Uh, it's, it's expensive, I guess, uh, all things considered. It's, I think a thousand dollars for the kind of base plan and then like 1500 for, the, like I don't I don't know exactly what you get for the higher tier, but um, if it works, if it's good, that's nothing to me. Like like that's so worth it. If less annoying serum will end up having better design, but I can imagine for someone who's like funding it out of their own pocket, that's probably a pretty steep price. Yeah, and I I mean the cohort part of the benefit of doing the cohort based coursing is you can charge more for it because you've got peers and it's more formalized, and the I'm sure the curriculum's great the downside is man like you show up a little bit late you miss out on the course yeah so i know it's may, so like, frustrating do you think like this is something that you'll wait for uh to to enroll in later or is this something you're gonna end up solving a different way with a different course provider um and then not ever sign up uh, i could see it going either way hmm. um the the two things so my plan right now is to do it whenever it opens up but and, and i should say like my impression is it's just a bunch of recorded videos like there's no reason it needs to be cohort-based. We, we've talked before about all the benefits to it. Uh, the, the reasons I might not do it is, one, just the timing might not work. If the if the cohort opens and I'm like, well, uh, design's not my main priority. Like, I'm recruiting a developer right now. This isn't the thing I have time for. It's possible I'll buy it and just not go through it uh, until later. But the other thing is, yeah, I might, I might solve my problem a different way, which brings me to my next thing, which is, uh, are you familiar with Tailwind? I've heard of it and I've, I've had friends tell me that I should learn it, but I don't, I've never played with it, but I, isn't it like short form, basically it's like pre-configured CSS classes that make things like very, um, I don't know what the right word is. I want to say semantic, but that's probably not the right word, but that makes things very literal when you're typing in classes. Yeah. That's my impression. It's kind of, it's a philosophy around CSS combined with good defaults. So you, you can tweak the defaults to be whatever you want is my impression. Um, but so it's kind of the philosophy plus the good starting point. Um, and then 
it's an open source project made by the same guys who made uh, uh, the design course I always talk about that I'm blanking on the name Refactoring of. Refactoring UI. Yeah, exactly. Refactoring UI. Um, so they also have the separate product called Tailwind UI. So Tailwind is their CSS framework, which is open source and free. Tailwind UI is a paid, basically like UI library using Tailwind CSS. So you can just plug and play like, here's a modal dialogue, here's a dropdown list, whatever. I don't use Tailwind CSS, but I did just buy Tailwind UI to be like, this is a huge library of really well-designed stuff I can just copy. That's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's is it, do you ha- is it all dependent on using Tailwind? For CSS, I mean that's their uh, how they that's the use case they have in mind, but it's super easy to just look at it and inspect the element and be like, oh, the border radius is five pixels. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make mine. My own, I'll design my own basic CSS class to mimic that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't have anything against Tailwind CSS. Just like it didn't exist when Lessonwing Serum was created, and I'm not motivated to switch to that. But I I love their. Like the way they do designs is very much what I would like Lessonwing CRM to kind of look and feel like. That's cool. I'm, I might check out Tailwind UI as well. Um, just to get, I find myself like right now I need, with like a benefits, I'm, I need to design a roster of users. Um, so, or not users, but team members. Like the, the main dashboard is, mm-hmm. hey, you either have no team members or you have team members and I need to list them out for you and you need to be able to add more team members, edit existing team members or delete team members. And so it's basically a list, but it has it needs to be you know have some functionality and some data displayed um, within each list item, and uh, I, w- I want to design it in a way that's responsive. And so I'm hesitant to use tables, and but I also you know not sure what the best practice is. So I would love to be able to look at like a list of people that they've listed. Do they have something like that probably in in there? Yeah, I was yeah. just looking through that today. I haven't made it through the whole library yet, but they have a whole section on like. Pages that list people and then have data about those people on the other side of the page. So like exactly what you need. You could just go in and copy it exactly if you wanted. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And so it's I paid 250 bucks and that's they kind of have two modules. One is like marketing sites and one is like apps, like kind of interactive mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I decided to get both. Uh, but I think the the app stuff, I forget. It's like a hundred something for just that. And that's really the main thing I need and probably you need. Yep. Yep. Totally. Cool. So yeah, I'm feeling, you know, still a lot of, a lot of work to do, but I'm feeling like I have some leads on how to become a better designer here. Yeah. That's a lot of progress since last week. Yeah. Now I just have to actually, it's easy to put something on a list. Now I have to do something with it. This is the, uh, do you ever feel like, um, buying stuff is a weird fake proxy for like getting stuff done? It's sort of like uh, when you when you imagine doing something and like visualize it, it get, it's sort of you know you get some level of pleasure out of that without yeah. actually hap- it happening. Yes, yeah. but it also creates a forcing function that is probably just as powerful, if not more powerful, than the potential like you know laziness or that comes from the gratification. That's true. It probably can. And now that I say this out loud, the gym membership is the classic version of this, right? Where like you feel like you have done part of the workout just by buying the gym membership, mm-hmm. but then you have to actually go do it. So that's kind of how I feel right now is I'm like, oh, I can spend $1,500 on that and $250 on that, but I haven't actually gotten better at design yet. So now I need to go go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, but those are high enough numbers of like investment where it's like you put some money on the line. It's You would feel pretty bad about wasting money if you didn't do anything with it. So I yeah. think that'll, that's enough. 
I think the Planet Fitness gym membership is the sneakiest one. It's like the ten dollar per month gym membership, where it's like it's not enough to really make you feel pain if you don't go to the, if you don't use it, mm-hmm. but it uh, but you feel like you you got that like ten dollar. Oh, I'm paying for a gym membership. I'm I'm making progress when you're really not. Yeah, that's a good point. Um. All right. Should I keep going with updates here? Yeah, go for it. I love the cats on the roofing stuff. Or is it, wait, is this new? Which one are we yeah, on? I've got, I've got a few things. So um, two things that are kind of just follow-ups on, I mentioned we had that leadership team meeting and talked about various things. Uh, from that leadership team meeting, I kind of made a list of like things I need to follow up on. Like we make a decision, but you have to actually go implement it. So two of those I've either, I've, I've done as much implementing as we're going to. So just some updates there. One is we have slightly tweaked our policy around non-support people doing support. Um, Since the very beginning of Lesson Learning CRM, so we have the job title of CRM coach, which is our full-time support person. We've kind of said everybody needs to do roughly one hour of support per week if you're not a CRM coach, Um, kind of just for a variety of reasons. And there was a lot of hand-waving, but we never really examined deeply why, because it just felt right. Uh, I still think that's like a good place to start, but as the company has grown, uh, a couple of problems have come up. One is that basically like the CRM coaching team becomes more and more sophisticated. And so it's harder for people who just do it one hour a week to do it well. Um, and like back in the day, we actually helped, right? It was like, oh, the CRM coaches get an extra hour of help. And now it's like, oh, they have to babysit us for an hour and answer all our questions because we don't know how to do anything. Um, the other problem is there right now we only have one person, but like looking for, there might be more who really have nothing to do with the product or the customer. So for example, we don't have this person, but imagine you have a full-time office manager. Do you really have to hire an office manager who's like capable of doing support for your product? And is it worth them spending their time, like deeply understanding the product to be able to do support? Probably not. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think? That's interesting. I mean... Yeah. Do you, do you need to know? I mean, then a lot of times your customer isn't the user, it's internal people, in which case mm-hmm. it's a totally different mindset you need to have. Yeah. I, I wouldn't hurt. I don't think to be necessarily to be more familiar with what other people do at the company and what the primary service, there's some benefits to, I think, understanding what goes into the product that we're delivering and being connected in a way to the customer and why you, I have a job in the first place, but yeah, it's not nearly as critical, um, right. To inform like the day to day. So yeah, you just got immediately to where we ended up as well. So our basic conclusion here was, so we, we basically said, what is the point of doing this? And we came up with two things. One is like cross training. It's like, if my job is to be a developer, understanding the customer is going to give me motivation. It's going to help me pick out little pro like if I'm if I'm building something and something's like wrong with the designs, I might be more likely to say something while I'm building it rather than wait for it to go live and cause problems, that type of thing. Then the other one's just, yeah, like stay connected to the customer. Um, just we're here to serve them. And if we don't know who they are, then we're going to be bad at doing that. So those were the two main reasons. And we kind of pulled out it's not to help the CRM coaches and it's not directly to help the customer. I mean indirectly it helps the customer and that we all do our bo- our jobs better, but it's not like we should not expect a developer to do customer service as well as a CRM coach does. So we're just like acknowledging, I wrote up like a little wiki article acknowledging that. So given that, um, what we kind of said is if your customer, this is exactly what you just said, if your customer that you serve is not a, the CRM user, 
you don't need to do support. You still need to be understand what we do. That's kind of a separate thing, but you don't need to actually do support. So what that means is if you're marketing, sales, biz dev, design, coding, you need to be doing that hour of support still. But if you're an office manager or an accountant, your customer is internal, not the external CRM user, and so you don't need to do it. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see once you have someone like that, whether that holds or not. But I, I, I'm one, I wonder if it'll hold. But we, we have one person like that right now. Yeah, oh, you do? Who's the, the person who runs the coding fellowship where it's like she, she barely has anything to do with the CRM. So it was definitely a waste of everybody's time for her to be get the full training and you know, all that. Good. That makes total sense then. The accountant one is one I would challenge, but you don't know until you get there. Yeah, right. And then this, the separate thing, what you said is like, even the person running the coding fellowship still needs to know about what we do as a business. And so what we're going to start doing, and I think we've already started doing is the CRM coaches are going to record some of their demos with customers. And then I don't know the frequency, maybe every month, people who are not on customer service are going to need to basically get in a room together and watch it. And like, we're going to hit pause and be like, you see how what happened there? Let's talk about that a little bit and just kind of like keep people fresh on what it is we do. Yeah. The, the f- taking the coding fellowship position as an example, there's still a, a recruiting element to that role. And a lot of the people that are going to be part of that fellowship are being recruited in a way mm-hmm. very passively to be, be in a seat that does have a, a, a CRM user as a customer and there could be, you want that, that, uh, you want to, you want that person to be able to evangelize the product and the, and the customer, um, yeah. and the mission of the company. So yeah, that's a very you, good point. Yeah. I don't know how you, how you accomplish that doesn't need to be customer service. Exactly. Exactly. And also just like the office manager, whoever, it's just like the, the main thing we do is make a CRM and you're not going to you're not going to love the company in the same way if you don't if you don't see a customer be like, "Holy shit, this is going to change my life." Like regardless of what you do at the company, I think seeing that from time to time is valuable. Is there a better way to see it than doing customer service? Yeah, I'm hoping these recorded we're, we're going to yeah. keep experimenting. I'm hoping these recorded demos are the way to do it. I, yeah, this is I'm very curious to see if this works. I I uh I love the line though. Um I I I think it's good. It's like, "Listen, this is why we do it." And if it doesn't, if this doesn't apply to you, then you don't have to do it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it feels a little like we're, you know, this was such a core value in the early days. And this is one of the hard things about growing even, you know, we're still very small, but bit by bit, you just have to examine things and change them. And sometimes it feels like you're kind of betraying who you used to be. Doing things on principle, you can't have too many of those things. Like, mm-hmm. and if it's, if it doesn't add a ton of value, then it's one of the, it's better to kill it and live on a different principle. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point. And I, over the last three or so years, my job has almost entirely, I shouldn't say almost entirely, but a big part of my job has been just caving, but like <laughs> being stubborn about the right things, but not being stubborn about most things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Picking the you know three things max that you're, that you're going to die on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then letting everything else go. <laughs> um, I've got more, but do you want to yeah, talk so, for a bit? So, yeah, I want to talk about personal newsletters. So I just, um, this is an extension. Last week I said I was reducing my podcast consumption and it's been another week and I'll listen to a podcast that now, now what I'm doing is when I go to the gym, I will throw a podcast on if I'm riding an elliptical bike, that kind of thing. And I find that to be great. 
but I usually cherry pick the top. The I already, I already before I go to the gym know what podcast I'm going to listen to based on what I'm interested in at the time. So it's very curated. It's not like mm-hmm. oh, what's next in the queue? It's I only have one minute. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna pick one podcast or two podcasts that I'm gonna listen to during that hour. Um, so so what I was thinking was I I prefer to read and one of the best what, the most similar thing to a podcast of this style is a person a founder's personal newsletter or you know someone's personal newsletter out there where they're sort of on some regular cadence whether it's weekly monthly daily is too much for me um, sending an update to the world about what they're learning uh, if they're writing what they're writing about and maybe what they're working on if they're you know, running a business or have a, have a full-time job and I get a ton of fulfillment out of both writing and delivering that to the world, just like I do this podcast. Um, but also I get a lot of fulfillment out of consuming other people's and I can kind of, you know, without them having to acknowledge me, just, just like a podcast, go subscribe, um, see if I like this, get a taste of it. And then I can just kind of, you know, leave the conversation if it, I'm not getting value out of it. And I find my newsletter queue to be growing at a rate that is far more, um, sustainable than my podcast queue. Uh, but, but it's getting me very similar value. Do you Hmm. subscribe to personal new, I guess two questions here. One is one, are you getting a lot of value out of writing a personal newsletter now that you're doing it on a weekly basis, just personal fulfillment? Um, and then second, uh, are you subscribing to other people's personal newsletters and getting value out of that. Okay, so do I get fulfillment out of writing my own? Um, I don't think I do the way you do. I am glad I made lessannoyingbusiness.com so when I do have something I want to get out there, I have a, like a platform for it because like over the last several years, maybe like four times a year, I'd be like I really want to write something. I've got this idea, I want to share it with people, get their thoughts, but I didn't really have a way to do it in the the overhead of getting something set up was so high. So I'm really glad I have it. And I think it's worth the weekly investment to maintain it. But I think my dream would be if Less Annoying Serum gets on a growth trajectory where I don't need to worry about the business ramifications of the newsletter at all, my dream would be to not have a weekly newsletter and just write whenever I want to, which would be less frequent. Yeah, less frequent. So on some cadence, probably not predetermined, but when you have something to say, say it. Yeah, which yeah. might be once a quarter or once a month, maybe. And I would subscribe to that for sure. Um, so, okay, cool. Uh, do I subscribe to other people's a little bit? You like reading more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, the the upside I see to it is it's a lot more curated. Like writing is, it's more concise. You don't have to listen to an hour of people blabbering on to get the insight out of it. The downside is you can't do it passively. Mm-hmm. So like I I don't spend any otherwise productive time listening to podcasts, but I do like, I spend time sitting at my computer reading newsletters that I otherwise would spend working. Yeah. The, the other downside that I thought of when you were talking was, uh, you, you admit the back and forth isn't there. You missed kind of the, the two people or multiple people thinking out loud and yeah. asking questions. You can get that through a transcript to a degree, but, um, for, for a, a personal newsletter where it's just kind of a broadcast, there isn't someone you know, asking clarifying questions, uh, adding, you know, kind of doing the, the improv and adding to um, the discussion. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. But I mean, I, I guess but, that's. But a pro is the efficiency in which you can consume it because you can read something so, at least I can read something so much faster than I can 
Yeah, I'm a pretty it. slow reader is probably yeah. part of it. Like I used to love reading books, but I would it would take me forever to finish a book. Mm. So probably just that that might be at the core of this that yeah. I I also kind of have a little sense of dread almost when I I have like a separate in, in Superhuman my email program I have a separate little uh tab for newsletters that I put everything in. When I see something come up there I'm kind of like I want to read it, but now it's like a chore. And how long am I going to leave it there before it gets stale? Yeah. Whereas for whatever reason with podcasts, I'm just like a new podcast comes in and it bumps the old one out of the way and I never listen to the old one and whatever. I don't feel guilty about that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's a, there's this uh, unwritten higher threshold for putting writing out in the world, especially on (laughs) on your personal, although the newsletter kind of does expire if you don't put it on your website. So if it's in the email Mm -hmm. itself, there is kind of a, podcast-ish expiration date tied to it. Yeah. Um, but if you publish it on lessonlybusiness.com and link to it, that's a whole other story. Yeah. I probably subscribe to five newsletters, I think. Okay. Oh, man. You're, you got a lot more than oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot. A lot more. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. I, just a thought. Uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I I, uh, I think I, I could see myself reducing the, the cadence at which I publish. And actually, like as I consume other people's, I'm like, I, I really like this, but it's almost too frequent. Mm. It's too much information. And I almost have to unsubscribe because it's overload. You think um, once a week is too much? I think depending on the content of the email, it could be too much. If it's too long, it's like, okay, mm. this is ask. I want to stay up to date, but I'm having the curate. It's losing its curated value because I have to go through so much to stay up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. Um, all right. Back to me. So, Another thing that came out of the leadership team meeting, and we talked about this on the podcast, which is uh, we were just kind of toying with the idea of like, if the company has extra money, is it better to hire more people at our current rate or to increase the rate we pay our current employees? So kind of have more people making a good salary or have a smaller number of people making a great salary, basically. And we we talked about that, whatever it was, two episodes ago, I think, Um, where we landed in our conversation is where I've landed in every conversation with everyone, which is it's about balance and doing both, but that I shouldn't feel guilty about growing the business given that everyone is paid well enough already. Um, so no like real official changes um, needed to happen here, but I did want to just shift expectations with employees of Less Knowing CRM. I talked about this with half the company. So, you know, I, I got a good sense that they were all cool with this before I did this, but um, I cats on the roofed it and... I'm not going to tell the whole joke, but this, this is, uh, as a reminder for the listener, I cats on the roof means kind of preparing people for something happening in the future without actually making it happen now. So I basically just updated our wiki article on how compensation works to two changes. I said, one, we have this thing called a thriving wage that is the baseline everybody gets. Almost everyone at the company was on the thriving wage exactly. They make the same amount based on seniority. Uh, I basically said, as we get bigger, there will probably be more exceptions to this. And exceptions meaning people getting paid more. No one will ever get paid less. But some developer, you know, the, especially developers are just so much more expensive now. We probably have to make exceptions to retain people. That was one thing. And then the second thing being like previously it said, the long-term hope is that we can increase the thriving wage to the rate of the the highest market rate of anyone at the company so that we're all making the same amount of money. Uh, I, I It's not that that's not the case anymore, but I don't know. Um, that's probably not. So I, I just took that out and kind of said, everyone, I don't know what the future holds. <laughs> so rather than being certain about the wrong thing, I just took it out. I love it. Um, so yeah, I don't, it will have no impact, but I, yeah, I, it buys me a little flexibility in the future. 
That's terrific. So um, have you had any people, anyone saying, oh, this is a bad thing or negatively reacting to your cats on the roofing? Uh, so I had already run it by six people and in, in these group group brainstorming sessions we do, and every single person was on board with it. So I th- it was really, I wasn't worried anyone would be negative on the idea, but it was about how do you, how do you communicate it? I did have one person after I sent it out, just be like a little bit like, well, oh, sorry, there's something I kind of forgot to mention there, which is with having these exceptions to the thriving wage prior to this, we'd only had one person who was making more than the thriving wage. And we told everyone that we didn't tell them what this person was making, but we said, just so you know, we've made an exception. You know, it's in the policy that we're allowed to do that. But we told everyone one of the things I said here is I'm going forward. I'm not going to tell people because it's not my this is not secret. If the, if any individual person wants to share their salary, you're more than welcome to. But it's probably not my place to tell the whole team that one person got a raise. You know, it's, it's like saying someone has AIDS. I'm. Uh, I don't know about that, but well, it's- I'm just. I'm just saying it's like revealing information that you're saying is private to that individual. Um, and if you make that decision, it's, you're like, hey, it's not my news to share. Right. And exactly. So you're, you're, you're treating it might it make like, them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I said that one person did come back to me and just be like, I took so much pride in how transparent stuff was and how like we all knew what everyone else made. And I was like, yeah, I did too. Here's mm-hmm. the reasoning. And they were like, okay, that makes sense. At the end of the conversation, they were like, 100%. Like, there is downside, but there's more upside. So I get it. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's the only like slight pushback I've gotten so far. Cool. Good job. Thank you. Um, and then, yeah, my final update, and then I'll hand it back to you, is uh, that Mixergy interview I did is finally live. Finally. Or are you just like dying with uh, <laughs> wait, like just waiting for it and worrying about it? I don't know. I said on the podcast that when I recorded it, I thought I did a bad job. I went back and listened to it and I, I thought it was fine. I think I was too hard on myself. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I How big is Mixergy? Like, does it, I, I feel like it's the biggest audience I've ever been in front of. So I was kind of excited for that. I don't know if we'll actually see any bump in signups or I, I don't know what, how you measure that. W- when did it go live? Uh, yesterday, I think. Have you seen a bump in Twitter followers, subscribers to lessonlinebusiness.com or any personal reach out? Uh, a few Twitter followers, not, not, I'm talking like three or four, you know, not a meaningful number. So basically no, although it's weird. There are all these like spam Twitter accounts that just re blog, uh, Mixergy interviews, which obviously no one, I assume no one follows them and no one's seeing that, but it's, it is a sign that Mixergy is like another level up in terms of the size of their audience that like, it's worth spamming their shit everywhere. Like no one does that for our podcast, for example. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but no, pr- probably it'll have no measurable impact, but it's still, uh, you know, I was excited for it to for it to go live. That's awesome, man. Congrats. I'll, I'll listen to it. I'm sure it went uh, at some point and maybe that'll be my, after I go to the gym after this podcast, that'll be my, uh, my, yeah. my, my podcast of choice today. I think you're going to know all the info, but you, you, you do get a mention in it. You know, it's possible actually, if, if anything comes of it, I would guess it's that more people follow this podcast because we've talked about this before, not, I don't think on, on air, but that people, like people who are listening to podcasts, a call to action of being, go listen to this other podcast is probably pretty compelling to them. Uh, rather than like follow me on Twitter, which is a whole different medium. Um, so the fact that they were listening to it via a podcast, I mentioned that we have a podcast. Maybe we'll see a few extra subscribers here. We'll see. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. 
Yeah. Um, all right. Back to you. You got some some bigger topics here, huh? Yeah. So I've I've orga- I've got three separate topics, but I'm going to go in a partic- an order, and I think the order will make sense as I go through them. So the first um, the first topic, I I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this on this rec- on rec- recorded air. Um, the primary reason being that it's it's not something that I think benefits me to discuss uh, to great detail. Um, there's way more downside in discussing this than there is upside. But I do think that, and, and so I'll just say what it is. Um, I have uh, had an, in, an inbound um, full-time opportunity come kind of fall into my lap uh, that isn't a full, it isn't, ter- hasn't turned into a real opportunity yet. It's, it's, it's an, it's a, potential opportunity to take a full-time job with a, with a startup, um, with some people that I've worked with in the past, um, at a company that is, uh, sort of on the, on the take kind of taking off trajectory. Um, it's a, so, so nor in the past, um, when something like this has happened to me, uh, I have been almost an immediate, not interested. I'm not going to go into why necessarily that was, but I'm always, most of my career, my professional life, I've had my head down at working on something and any other opportunity that conflicts with that thing, I saw as a distraction and treated it like one. I chose to treat this opportunity differently for a couple of reasons. One, um, I've had a recent reflection of, of like, hey, maybe I shouldn't just say no right right away at these opportunities, I should explore the opportunities, actually see what real opportunity exists and make an educated decision <laughs> on mm-hmm. you know whether to uh, pursue it or not versus just having a default no. Um, in other words, I sort of have shifted my, my default from no to maybe, you know, and, and let's look. Um, the second is that it checks a couple of boxes that um, make it sort of worthy of pursuing um, as more than just a maybe, but maybe something exciting. Uh, and so um, I need to be careful about what I say about this, uh, um, but I want to I share that that's happening. Um, I want to let you ask me questions or make this interesting for people. I think that this <laughs> is, might be interesting for people who are um, maybe running a business um, and wondering what it would be like you know what? Maybe I maybe I can go f- faster on my business if I had more capital, or maybe uh, I need to f- support a family, um, and I'm not sure what I want to do with my business. Um, and- or, or maybe starting a business is too hard, and like, sh- sh- would it be easier for me to just go full time, and that's that's it? Yes, yes. So, um, my approach with this is leg up ventures. And building my company bootstrapped is a long-term goal, and that um, that is a, I expect that to be a constant um, throughout this considering this opportunity. Um, and it's not a question of am I going to stop doing doing what I'm doing. It's a question of how much am I going to do what I'm doing, and how am I going to approach doing what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, although I mean, you just had a kid. Yeah, and you've got a you've got a business that's working, but it's not you're it's not on cruise control yet. I wouldn't say so. Taking a full time job would heavily disrupt what you're doing right now. 
it would not, so I want to be very careful about saying it would disrupt what I'm doing. It would slow down substantially what I'm doing because it wouldn't disrupt your current customers. Yes, it, but wouldn't it, it would affect your ability to go get more. Exactly. Customers. So from a, from a business standpoint, just if, if you're, if you, if you're a quick update on my business, I've got to a place where I've got a consistent flow of revenue, some very happy clients, um, and, a pretty you know low service cost in terms of time and energy to keep those clients happy. Um, the to get to the next phase of the company, it requires some hustle, um, and it's really just about growing the, the number of customers. Um, and on a bootstrap basis, that means either me doing that uh, as the individual contributor and this and and the service person, or hiring someone to go do that, um, or just sort of not worrying about it for a while and just sort of work piddling <laughs> and letting it grow word of mouth very, very slowly. So uh, anyway, that's the trajectory of the business. Um, I, uh, yeah. So you, wh- where, where can we take, th- where, I guess, wh- what are your thoughts <laughs> on this? Uh, I'm very curious to see where it goes. I, I, I agree with you that even if neither of us have anything interesting or insightful to say here, I bet this is like a super, super common thing people deal with. Uh, another, while you were talking, this reminded me of something I deal with all the time, which is people constantly reach out to me with, hey, I want to invest or I want to acquire your company. And I always say, no, not interested because I'm not. But that's another situation I think founders find themselves in where like, should I listen or is just listening a distraction? Yeah. And the way I think most of the time it is, 99% of the time it is. And what I did differently, the, the major thing I did differently this time was I asked a few qualifying questions um, mm. and I won't go, I, I need to, I want to be careful about what I say. So I'm not going to say what those were, but I asked some questions that said, okay, this is worthy of listening um, and more important or taking a look, yeah. not just listening, taking a look at. And you already um, know, it's not, if a random stranger reached out to you, I assume you'd be like, no, hit the road. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Yeah. So well, I, how, how are you going to, I get that you don't have the information and stuff, but do you have a sense of like a framework for like, it sounds like this is going to be a great, assuming things work out, it could be a great opportunity with a business that has more of a trajectory towards big success than Lego Ventures does right now. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't control it as you, you know, your ownership stake would be much lower, all that. How, <laughs> any thoughts on how you're going to balance these things? Yeah. So I would say that, um, Part of the exercise of going through this is not worrying about it um, mm-hmm. until it turns into something real, but going, but, but forcing myself to go through the process. I haven't really, so prior to doing like adventures, I've really had one job and that was run, you know, working at Zane Benefits. And I, interv- I mean, I, I've never really interviewed for an executive position. You've done a lot of consulting though, right? Like there must've been some sort of interview type thing. Yes, but consulting is, um, it's different because it's uh, low risk to get started. And so Mm -hmm. part of the strategy with, with at least the way I was approaching consulting was, you know, let's, let's, I mean, I would do money back guarantees, 30 day money back guarantees and get in and then Mm -hmm. let it expand from there. And so you kind of bypass a lot of the, the stuff when you're when when a when a startup is hiring an executive, there's a lot more due diligence um, that I haven't. You know, I've been through sort of that on the other side, but not 
been going through it as the candidate. Yeah. Um, so that's an interest. That's a new experience for me. And I'm part of part of what I'm you know trying to do is not worry too much about what ha- what's going to play out and just let it happen. Um, which is part of like a skill set that I'm trying to develop. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I guess in terms of making the decision, um, I I'm trying to treat it as there's a couple of you know things that are important to me about life. And if the opportunity checks those boxes, then, um, you know, great. I'll, I'll give it serious consideration. If it doesn't, then it's not going to work. So, yeah. Um, one thought I have is like, I think you've struggled with this in the same way. Every human struggles with this in the past, but that like taking on too many things and stuff like that, I would be looking at it through the lens of, I get you have a commitment to your current, clients and you're not going to, you, you can live up to that commitment, no problem. But like, what if no matter what you think, like however you plan, what if you have to give up your newsletter, any future growth on any of these products, you know, and on and on and, you know, working at a startup, especially being an executive at a startup is it's hard enough when that's your only thing, let alone one of five different things. I mean, that's, I'm not saying any advice on what should your decision be? But I would look at it as only take it if you'd be willing, if everything goes well, the company's taking off and all that, if you'd be willing to abandon those other things. That's a, that's a good point. It's a threshold that's really high. Um, uh, so yeah, I like that. That's good advice. Have you ever heard the like, would you rather be rich or be king thing? Uh, both. Well, but <laughs> if you had to pick, I'm, you don't have to answer, but th- that's no, I don't a, know what, that, what, what's, what is it? What, what's it really asking? I don't. I don't know what the origin of this is. I've heard it from a bunch of different places, but um, I've heard it related to startups. That in many cases, well, like raising money is is when this comes up a lot. Is you'll probably make or your maximum upside is a lot higher if you raise money, but you lose a lot of control. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to be king? Do you want to be in charge of everything? Have total flexibility? Build your own empire? Or do you want to be rich? Mm. But maybe you kind of work for someone else. Yeah, I see what you're um, saying. I. It's, it seems like both of those sound really unsavory and egotistical to me. So maybe there's like better terminology, but I, for myself, have decided I'd rather be king. Yeah, I'd rather be king. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, would you rather be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a, in a, in a, in a w- big wide ocean? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I oscillate, um, I think, between those things. And um, I, I think I probably want a little bit of both, but not all of one. Yeah. Okay. Well. I assume I realize most of this is going to be confidential and you can't share, but, uh, when there's something to share, I assume you'll share it. I'll share it. And in the meantime, I mean, part of the, part of why I want to go through this process is I have to stay focused on my job. I still have a job to do. I still have a business to run. And until, and unless this turns into something like that's the plan. Um, yeah. and so there's, there's a good exercise going on here of, of kind of living through some uncertainty, um, and, and just powering through it. So that takes me to my next topic, which is um, between this opportunity and uh, th- also what happened last month with my API vendor. I've got I've started thinking about okay, and then also there's another factor, which is I'm starting to think about you know in two weeks I turn my marketing hat on and I'm like how do I scale this thing? I'm starting to realize okay this business is way more complicated than it needs to be. Um, Let's just say hypothetically, I had a full time job. What would I cut? 
Um, let's say hypothetically, I didn't have an AP- access to an API. How important is that? Um, let's say I wanted to hire someone, stay focused on this business and hire someone to help me grow the business. How, what, what is the simplest version of, of what I'm offering that they would need to learn in order to be effective? And it has me kind of thinking, wow, I've overcomplicated things. Um, I think this is pro- probably pretty typical uh, of an early stage company where you, where you, when you first start out, you don't know what's going to hit. And so you throw a bunch of noodle noodles against the wall and you see what sticks. And I'm starting to see all the noodles fall away now um, and just see a couple of noodles sticking. And I'm trying to be careful about aggressively just like going after those noodles. But I think that, I think that may be what I should do. So what are the ones that have stuck? There are two, there's really just one. Well, there's two, I guess. Um, there's two companies paying for health insurance concierge services for nugget benefits um, on a, a nice basis. And there's other companies interested in that service. And then there are, and these are small businesses that do not offer benefits. And then there are um, marketplace people in Utah who have a marketplace policy um, that, you know, I'm the, the, the leg of health is the agent on those two things. But uh, I'm going to push you to be more specific about that second one, because I, it sounds like a lot of the quote unquote complexity is related to that second one, like the API vendor and like what I guess when so, I say what's stuck is what specifically do you have to offer them so, to for it to work? Yeah. So maybe I can it'd be helpful to say what that is in the context of what I'm currently offering. Mm-hmm. So what I'm currently offering is come to Leg Up Health, create an account at any health insurance policy that you have. Um, whether it's a group policy, a Medicare policy, a Medicaid policy, uh, a MediShare policy, a Medicaid policy, a, you know, a Cobra policy, you add your health insurance, we'll verify it with a third-party API, and we'll start sending you a monthly updates on you know, the status of, of your coverage. My hypothesis was that that would have a nice word of mouth, um, and it would lead to more signups. And sub, some set of those people, some subset of those people would have individual health insurance, of which case I could reach out to those people who are taking advantage of the premium service and say, hey, I've got a premium service, make me the agent, and I'll start delivering that premium service. So yeah, I've got 120 users uh, with all different types of policies in Utah. Um, the only ones I'm uh, making, I'm making money on 40 of those clients, um, rounding up a little bit. Uh, and Rick is looking at his wall, by the way. Yeah. Do you have like a little like whiteboard little dashboard, or something with all this? A little whiteboard <laughs> dashboard. Nice. Um, and and a third, of the 40, 38 are on marketplace policies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me, let's separate though, kind of like marketing from product. So the product you need is like, like what it's, it's basically the help you are offering those 38 people, like picking a plan and understanding how to use it. Right. That's not the product. That's the product that is working today. Yeah. Uh, Well, so there's two parts to that. One is you already have a marketplace plan. May we go get it from the marketplace, which is, we have a tool that lets us import that policy. Which I guess I mean, like, the what's the what's the value you're providing? What's the value you're providing to the those thirty eight people? Uh, find, use, and manage your, uh, you know, better way to find, use, and manage your marketplace plan. Mm-hmm. So I maybe I'm misinterpreting what you said, but it sounds like the there was like that freemium play, but it was the freemium play was not about like we we we've talked before that freemium is a marketing strategy. It's not like a 
feature set or a pricing strategy or whatever. It's a way to get leads, basically. You don't exactly have a different way to get leads yet, do you? Um, well, the I would say that the freemium way of getting leads actually never worked. Okay. And what, what actually worked was going out to people and saying, do you have a marketplace plan? No. Do you know anyone who has a marketplace plan? And then if they say anything else, like, I don't do anything else, like... Oh, you have a you have a cover plan. Oh, what I would do in the past was, oh, you have a cover plan. We have a we have a freemium service. Mm-hmm. Go sign up, and I would spend time with the Cobra Premium, getting the Cobra person to sign up. Oh, you're on Medicaid. Oh, we have we can service you on Medicaid. Oh, you're on Medicare. Add your policies. We have an API that'll pull it in. So there was all these things that never led to anything. And but but the thing that works is, hey, um, you you buy marketplace a marketplace plan. Do you know anyone else who buys a marketplace plan? That's yeah. the marketing thing that's working. Okay, cool. So basically so, what I'm saying is today I'm first and foremost a service, like to the world, I'm a service and I built a product behind this service um, for adding and managing all the policies in your family. And what I'm basically saying is I don't think that's what this business needs to be right now. It instead needs to be, we help people who have marketplace plans find a better plan if they need to use, get more out of their current plan and manage their plan through life events. Log, you know, create an account. If you, uh, if you import your policy from the marketplace, we'll give you $10. Cool. I I mean, it it sounds a lot like you're a modern era health insurance agent. Like if, if every health insurance agent out out there weren't lazy and running the business model from the nineties, this is what they'd all be doing. Yeah, and the 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 classic the other factor with health no health insurance agent focuses. So mm. if you go look at any health insurance agent, you know, use oftentimes they're multi-line, meaning their health, their life, their auto, you know, they're all things. Um, and then within health, they're like, I do individual, I do Medicare, I do you know group, I do marketplace, I do off marketplace. I'm Although in- I recall in the past yeah. that you said. Like you made it, you got a big bump in revenue when you started doing dental, right? Yes. So, so dental, it makes a certain amount of sense. If you've got all these customers who like you, sell them more stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it does. Um, dental. So when I say marketplace, that includes dental because dental mm-hmm. is actually available in the marketplace. And it's, it's like, a, it's like, it's kind of an add-on service to your major health plan. You can't buy it unless you have a marketplace okay. health plan. Um, so it's kind of one in the same. Uh, but basically I'm, I'm saying simplify the business to say, to, to position as we are, I don't want to say health insurance agent, but we are a premium service, uh, a free premium service for you know, helping you find, use, and manage your, your marketplace health insurance in Utah and uh, you know, take advantage of us. And if you, yeah. if you aren't that, maybe we'll help you, but we probably won't. So the freemium play, the productized service, the whole no code web app thing. Not, not that you wouldn't have anything, but like, that's not the core to your offering. Still very much a productized service. I want to be very careful about that. So there's still very much a flow of, Hey, do you have a marketplace plan? Yes. Go create an account. You know, give us permission to import your policy. Um, sign, you know, digitally sign, um, uh, an agreement that lets us make, be your agent and uh, we'll take it from there. So what does that get rid of? Like, how you, you, this started out with a conversation about simplicity. Um, if you just go with that, what can you strip out from what you're doing right now? Uh, I have 119 users that will turn into that of which 40 are clients, and I will go 
go from 119 users to 40 to 40 clients <laughs> to 40 users and 40 clients. Actually, there'll be like 40. There are 45. There are five users who have marketplace plans that have not made me the agent. Um, so I would keep those on, but I would basically, you know, reduce my user base down. Monthly emails would get significantly simpler. Um, so I wouldn't have to worry about the API anymore um, because I would be able to verify policies through the marketplace versus using the API. Um, that's it. Cool. And then, it, and um, the other thing is just being more clear, simplifying the marketing messaging. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Cause I, we, I yeah, like not not to put down what you were offering to your freemium users, but like, was it valuable enough for it to really be worth it for someone to go sign up for them? And like, maybe the answer is yes, maybe no, but it wasn't like beat you over the head with the value. I don't no. think. Nope. Which well, it's, it was interesting is me telling people it's going away is getting people upset, which <laughs> is interesting, but it wasn't compelled. It's not now that they have it, it's kind of taking something away, but it wasn't that like what you're saying, hit you over the head, go try it value. Like, right. Which is probably something you need for freemium to to be worth it. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I mean, this all makes a ton of sense to me and it sounds like, uh, like, like you said, you, in the early days, you don't know what to spend time on it. It would be great if you had known this a year ago and you could have just gone and focused on this, but like, that's the process, right? It seems obvious to me now to go do these things. Uh, I guess what I, the reason I brought it on here is it's interesting, but two, do you, do you see any downside of like massively simplifying the business? Here's my, I don't want to say this is downside, but like what I would be thinking about if I were you is let's say this works. I know you're not going to call yourself a health insurance agent, but that's kind of the role you're putting yourself in. And I know that's not what you want to be super long-term. If this other full-time startup thing works out, maybe that's perfect, right? Just run this on the side. But let's say you stay focused on this entirely. You grow it. You you spend the rest of your marketing. You get up to 20,000 MRR, whatever the number is. You're going to have bigger ambitions that outgrow what you just described. Do you have a vision for what the... like? If you pull back, where do you grow when it comes time? So again, I have a lot of ideas. Um, I mean, you could go back to a freemium service uh, where you're adding multiple policies, integrating with carriers, doing stuff like that. You could go into health savings account stuff. There's a lot of opportunity to expand once you have a base to expand on top of. Um, So I'm not really worried about that. Uh, I would say the slog is much... get Once you're there... And you've got you've built a business. There's a lot of opportunity to add more value around the core of being a health insurance agency service. Um, it's the slog from here to there that I think is less attractive. Um, do you have something? Sorry. Well, yeah. Just to be clear, I'm not saying you wouldn't have ideas. What I'm saying is, like, the lens I would be looking at this through is if the thing you're going to want to do is the stuff you're killing off right now, you may regret killing it off. If it's like a whole different direction. Oh, okay. Go ahead and kill it. I don't know the answer to that. I think, I think, um, so I think I want to kind of drop the, tr- the, 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 I want to lose the, um, sort of brand of, I don't want to be an insurance agent. Um, I think that's not important. Um, I think what, what I do want to do and what I'm passionate about is helping people who buy their own health insurance find coverage. Um, mm-hmm. And doing it in a way that educates them and doesn't make them feel like they've been uh, snake oiled. And that's something that motivates me. 
Um, it's something that I want to do as long as it needs to be done um, in some way. And uh, I think that if, if you want to call that being a health, that, that's not what most people think a health insurance agent is. So um, I, I don't, I don't want to be a salesman selling health insurance, but I do want to help a ton of people that aren't getting helped right now feel better about their health insurance and have less anxiety about it and save some money. Yeah. Gotcha. That, that, that's exciting. And I think that this, nothing that I'm killing off prevents me from, from doing that in the area that I want to do it. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I think I'm just being devil's advocate here. Cause I do think what you're saying makes a ton of sense, especially cause it just lets you be really focused for the next six months, which I think will be great. I'm just thinking back to like, I, when I started less annoying business, one of my arguments was I had a blog in like two, 2010 that had a little bit of traction. It yeah. wasn't great, Tyler but King. looking back, well, I had Tyler King, but like on the less annoying, we had a less annoying serum blog that got oh, okay. pretty good. I mean, sorry, not pretty good traffic, but like now it actually is getting thousands of hits a month from posts we wrote nine years ago. And I'm kind of like, man, if I had just left, oh. if I just kept doing that thing that was only sort of working, but it is now a part of what I want, I I wish I hadn't lost momentum on it. So I'm just trying to avoid that regret of like losing momentum on something you actually want. I was just thinking what popped in my head is regret minimization. Um, I would regret keeping the freemium service around and having it get in the way of helping more marketplace users. Uh, I would regret doing that than losing, never doing the freemium service again and helping like a thousand marketplace people. Helping a thousand marketplace people is way more important than offering a freemium service to every anyone who has health insurance. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. that sounds good to me. And this is the classic dilemma. I face this still every day where I'm like, I'm paralyzed. I don't want to do something because I'm like, well, this is only a half measure. What I really want is this bigger thing. Mm. And hist- over the last 12 years, I keep doing this. And then four years go by and I'm like, well, I never did the half measure and I haven't started on the big thing. So I did nothing. But are you happy? No. Okay. So <laughs> no, I mean, like okay. overall, I'm happy. But with these individual decisions, looking back, I always wish I did the half measure. And I want to be clear what I mean for you. Yeah. The half measure is kill all this stuff and focus on what you know isn't the big, big vision, but it's what you need to do right now. It's it's the first step in that big. Yeah. It's what opens up possibilities. Like the it. Yes, it, it creates the opportunity to do the big stuff um, or to enjoy doing it for doing it. Like, mm-hmm. I think it has both, right? Like where if, 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 if Leg Up Health never was anything more than a company who helped the market, lots of marketplace people in Utah, um, lots of Utahns navigate the marketplace in a way that they never experienced before while the marketplace is around. And let's just say the marketplace goes away in 10 years. I'd be satisfied with that. Mm-hmm. I'd go find something else to do. And if it becomes more than that, that's just like awesome gravy. Yeah. And if you, and you're also still think saying you're going to do leg up benefits in the same way, which might get you all the leads you need such that the, like the, the, the concern I have with getting rid of freemium is it's killing a marketing channel. Now it didn't work anyway, so who cares? But, uh, it's not like you're killing it with no other marketing channels. You've got just one-on-one sales or wh- however you want to describe it. And then you've got like got, a benefits. So got, you've like got benefits, better ideas. Out and there. then I've also got referrals coming in on a, on a monthly yeah. basis that are, they're happening. So, so I say simplify, simplify. Yes. So how do you do it? 
like we we've only got a few minutes left here yep. but what do you how do you act on this uh i need to get well i don't know let's talk about that next week okay <laughs> I, let's, I think i, I want to give it i i i have i'm leaving this with the i was 99 percent there when i came in but i'm like 100 i'm definitely leaving with conviction so let's uh Let's talk about that next week. And if you, I don't know, I, if, if anyone is listening to this and going, you're, you're missing something, I would love to hear it. This is a pretty high stakes decision for me because it's going to set the tone for the rest of this year. Um, so, but I feel pretty good about it. So I, I guess I'm going to let it breathe for a week. And then let's talk about how to start executing on this uh, August 1st. All right. Sounds All good. Right. Looking forward to it. Anything else? Nope. All right. If you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit to startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.